Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Good morning, everyone. Well, I hope uh, all of you that were back to school had a great first week university and high school and elementary school and everyone, yeah? Teachers are okay? Everyone's okay? Yeah? Leona, are you okay? You got through? Okay, good. Uh, Our scripture reading from today is from Numbers chapter 14, verses 26 to 30. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will give to you the very thing that I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall, every one of you 20 years old or more, who has counted in the census and who has grumbled against me. Not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. So just a few announcements. For any first-time visitors to the gate, welcome. We were hoping you will tear off the insert in your bulletin and fill it out and um, just hand it in at the Connection Center at the back. And for that, you'll get a gate mug that's full of really cool treats, chocolate and everything. So please do that for us. Also, uh, just a few announcements that are also in your bulletin. Um, Our new series... Abide starts next Sunday. Pastor, This is Pastor Mark's vision, and we're really excited about the fall uh, with the Abide series. Life group sign-up is online or at the Connection Center at the back. Plan to Protect sign-up is at the Connection Center as well, and uh, the Plan to Protect presentation by Tracy Phelps will be uh, happening on October the 5th. And we're really looking forward to, and please be in prayer for our Divine Kids uh, starting next Sunday. This is really a big deal, and we're really excited about it as well. Oh, sorry, Dave. Yeah, of course, Dave, we can't forget the money plan. Um, Yeah, now you got me flustered, Dave, really. Oh, my phone's not working here. Hang on. Make sure about the money plan for Dave. Okay. Sam, I don't know about you, I can't stand when people interrupt me. I just, it bugs me to no end. Okay, gum-chewing cowboy Pete. Just one sec, excuse me. Wow. Yeah, like you just interrupted Pete? I'm so sorry. And you're chewing gum like a cow, man. Do you want me to spit it out? No, I just want you to sit down. Go sit down. Thanks for the interruption, Pete. I mean, input. Yeah, you know what? And what about people that complain all the time? I just can't stand it. That's today's title. Is we're going to be talking about complaining. Ooh, aren't you glad you're in the house this morning? 
Well, thank you, worship team. That was great. Thank you for leading us in. And, and worship team at the back, too. Thank you, guys. Appreciate everyone. And for, you know, we have, church doesn't just happen on Sunday. There's a lot of people involved behind the scenes. So our ushers, our counters, and everybody. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, as you read in the bulletin, Pastor Mark and Glenda are away for the installation of Russell, uh, their son-in-law. He's starting um, as a new pastor. So uh, let's just keep them in prayer as we're having our service, but keep them lifted up in prayer. I think that's so exciting because we always hear the stats about how many pastors are, you know, leaving the ministry. And here we are in the midst of a new pastor starting today. So I think that's awesome. So I want to start this morning off with a little story. There was a man who dreamed of joining a monastery and to become a monk. So one day he went to the monastery and he talked to the head monk and, and said, what do I need to do to join? And he was told that it was more difficult than what he thought it was. In our monastery, the head monk said, monks are only allowed to say two words a year. The man said, that sounds a little extreme, but I'm going to give it a try. So he was shown to his room and so for the next 12 months, the man said not a single word. And at the end of his first year, he was brought to the head monk and he was told he could now say his two words. And the man said, food bad. <laughs> he went back to his room and he was silent for another 12 months. And at the end of the second year, he came back once again to the head monk and he was permitted to say his two words. And his next two words were bed hard. So then once again, he went back to his room and and another 12 months went by and he was brought again to the head monk for his annual two words. And this time he said, I quit. <laughs> the head monk said to him, well, it doesn't surprise me. All you've done is complain since you've got here. <laughs> so I want to know, what are you tempted to complain about? And, and shout it out so that we all can hear. So some of the things that we complain about. The weather. weather. Bad customer service. Bad customer service. Bad customers. <laughs> <laughs> you two should get together and talk. <laughs> some more stuff. People who interrupt. People who interrupt. <laughs> yep. Bad drivers. Bad drivers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Government. Government. Keep coming. <laughs> we do it all the time. School. Red tape, chores, roads. roads. Oh, don't get me started on potholes. <laughs> My neighbor. Neighbor. Not right now, right? Not right now. No, no, no. Okay. Okay, just check. What are some of the other things? We complain about everything. I mean, right? We do. We complain about everything. And when you stop and you think about it, we complain about the weather a lot in Canada. <laughs> it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too dry, it's too much snow, too little rain, so on, right? Uh, what about having to wait for three minutes for your food to be cooked at a fast food restaurant? Why, were, why did it take them so long, right? Um, we complain about traffic a lot. Traffic, <laughs> okay, just a little, I'm gonna let you in on a little insight into our pastor. If you ever get the opportunity to cross the border with Pastor Mark, it is a show. 
Well, just watch Pastor Mark. Don't watch anything else. He is a hoot to watch because he hates being stuck at the border. And you start to see things and like, where where'd the pastor go? <laughs> he hates lineups. He hates waiting. In fact, I think we changed lanes four times just to get over to the He said, that makes you look suspicious, Pastor. I don't care. (laughs) Um, We we complain about the traffic in Niagara Falls during the tourist season, and then we complain about not enough tourists in the off-season. We complain about opposites, right? Uh, Women complain about their husbands, and then there are women that complain about not having a husband. We complain about the music was too loud. We complain about I couldn't hear a thing. So I could go on all day. Some people seem to have a spiritual gift when it comes to complaining. And they feel that it's a God-given right to make sure they complain loud enough so others can hear them, which I complain about because they're too loud. I really could go on and on, and I'm sure we all could, about what we complain about. We'd be here for a very, very, very long time, probably too long for some of you, which you would probably complain about. That, of course, is just a very short list. So I wonder if anyone here this morning was tempted to complain about getting ready to come to church. Guys, how many many of you this morning would complain that your wives took too long to get ready for church? And then, women, how many of you murmured that if he honks the horn one more time, I'm going to wring his neck, right? We were all complaining. So I suspect that some of you, even on your way to church this morning, were complaining about the traffic or about the potholes. Like I said, don't get me started on potholes. Man, alignments are not cheap in this town. (laughs) And quite possibly since even church began this morning, and maybe since I've got on the platform here complaining to your neighbor. Do you ever, ever think that God gets tired of hearing our negative words, our complaining? The truth is, that it is so easy for us to find the negative in our lives and to complain about whatever it is, rather than searching for the good things. It is a high standard to not complain. And it is the standard that we are called to as followers of Jesus, as we find in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. So it says... Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. How many of you know someone that complains all the time? Right? Think about it. When you're near them and all they have to say is complain, 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 how does it make you feel? I can tell you it drains the very life in me. And I can't wait to get away. How many of you are that person? Don't raise your hand. If you're that person, I can guarantee you, by the time I'm done speaking today, you're going to have something new to complain about. (laughs) But truly, I'm hoping not. I'm truly hoping not. Because my hope and desire for today is that we leave here challenged to contain our complaining. So going back to those verses we just read, it's always important to understand the context in which what we read was written. Philippians was a a letter written by Paul to encourage the people of the way, as they were called, in Philippi. And while he was a prisoner under house arrest in Rome awaiting trial, he wrote this. As such, he was watched by a Roman soldier day and night, 
Now, as a prisoner, I can think of a lot of things that I would complain about, but not Paul. So I want to read again in Philippians 2, 14. It says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Paul writes to instruct us, do all things without murmuring, complaining. Somebody once said, it's not the things I don't understand about the Bible that troubles me. It's the things that I do understand, right? Now, in regards to this scripture in particular, I think it's pretty much black and white and very easily understood, no matter how young or old you are, no matter your, your education level or your life experiences, we can clearly understand this. And it's saying to work without complaining, to serve without complaining, to give without complaining, to go without complaining, to do everything without complaining. The truth of the matter is, we in this very blessed country of Canada, thank you Jesus, really have very little to complain about. Most all of the time it doesn't help us, and most all of the stuff we complain about isn't worth our time complaining about it. If you want to find something to complain about, you can all day long. You don't need to look too far. If you want to be bitter, if you want to be critical, if you want to be negative, you don't have to look far, too far, or too hard because you will find something almost immediately to complain about. There's actually a technical term for this behavior, and it's called a confirmation bias. If you have a preconceived idea against something, you will search it out or you'll interpret new information based on your preconceived bias. So if you're, if you're critical and you want to find something wrong, you can very, very easily interpret new information in such a way to prove your preconceived bias, giving you confirmation, and your perception then is that you feel you're correct with your behavior. Although this is a defined behavior, human behavior, it is contrary to what we read in the scriptures about how we are to be as followers of Christ. Reading on from 2 Philippians as to why we should do everything without complaining, verse 15 says, So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. The message paraphrase says it this way, Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air. I love how that words that. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Can we accomplish this if we're complaining? No, we can't. No, not at all. So what's the big deal about complaining? Everybody does it. Throughout the Bible, we read story after story after story of people complaining. So really, what is the big deal? I'm going to share with you two reasons we should be containing our complaining and some ways we can control our tongue. Are you ready? Okay, I'm going to introduce me to you. I love feedback, so help me out here. Are you ready? Yes, yes. good. So in Exodus 16, chapter 16, verse 8, says, Moses also said, 
You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? And he was referring to him and Aaron. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. So the people were coming to Moses with their complaints, but they really weren't complaining to Moses and Aaron. They were, they were complaining to the Lord. When we complain, we are complaining against our Lord with the very breath that he's given us. The first thing is we need to understand complaining offends the heart of God. How many of you have children here? Show of hands. Lots of us. Awesome. Pretty safe to say that you do a lot for your children. You make sacrifices, constantly give to them. You do a lot of things for them. How many of you enjoy blessing your children? Same amount of hands. Awesome. Um, and after you've done so, do you take joy in hearing your child whine and complain after you've blessed them? No. No, we don't. Right? When our kids were young, they learned very quickly in our home that whining about the food that was set before them did them no good. Isabel would work hard in preparing the food, and nothing irked me more than to hear a kid, one of mine, complain about what was set before them to eat. When the words, I don't like this, were spoken in our home, the child was immediately excused from the table, no exceptions, and there wasn't some substitution meal later on. They went hungry. As a parent, I did not appreciate an ungrateful response to what we provided, to what we were blessing our children with. Now, you may think my response was a little harsh, but it worked. So, right, Roman? Thumbs up, good. <laughs> I imagine how that must be, how God feels when we complain about how he's blessed us. One of the things I was thinking about, when somebody complains about your child, I don't know about you, but when somebody complains about one of my kids, even if my kid's in the wrong, even if my kids are wrong, there's a something in me that there's this, <clears throat> you know, there's this defense mechanism. It's like, that's my kid that you're complaining about, right? I got thinking about that as I was putting this message together. I wonder what God's heart feels like when we complain about one of his children. So I'll just leave that with you to ponder on that. And, and you could chew on that there, Pete. Just keep chewing on that. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> in Numbers... Chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says this. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned down among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. It goes on in verse 4 to say, this, The rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat... We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost? Also the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlics, oh my! But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Like, seriously. I mean, we read this in black and white. It's like, I like to put a little bit of character in there because I'm sure that's how they sounded to God. Crazy kids complaining about food again. Seriously, what is it with kids and complaining about food, right? So back to verse 1. This is how God felt about their whining. Their complaining aroused anger in God. 
complaining. It so offended God that he sent fire to burn the outskirts of the camp until Moses pleaded with God to stop. Complaining offends the heart of God. The second thing is this. Complaining carries significant consequences. Complainers have spiritual bad breath. When you're talking to them, when you're talking to somebody with bad breath, what do you do? Right? We step back. We step away from people with bad breath. Complainers have bad breath. When people complain all the time, it drives you away from them. And if you are the one complaining, you're going to notice people are stepping back from you and eventually away from you. People will avoid you. Complaining can carry significant consequences with each other as well as it carries significant consequences with our God. Turn to your Bibles with me. We're going to read a good chunk of the uh, Numbers 14. Good chunk of the verse there. So if you turn with me, if you've got your phone, feel free to open your phone, uh, use your Bible app. And if you don't know what the Bible app has, go onto our website. There's a resources page on the website. You can download the Bible app for free. Almost any version that you enjoy to read, it's there. I'm not hearing pages open, so come on, join with me. Let's get our Bibles open. Numbers 14, and we're going to start at verse 26. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites, so tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In the wilderness, your bodies will fall. Remember, they said, we're just going to be out here and we're just going to die. He says, I will do the very thing that I've heard you say. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand. He swore with uplifted hand to make their home. Remember this. Except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder... So they said, our kids were going to be taken. God says, I will bring them into the land to enjoy that you have rejected. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness. For 40 years, one year, for each of the 40 days you explored the land. Then he says, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Whoa. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in the wilderness. Here they will die. So the men Moses had sent to explore the land, who returned and made the whole community grumble against him, Moses, by spreading a bad report. These men, who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land, were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived. So God is saying, you have complained so much that the very thing that you wanted you're not going to get. I call that good parenting. Just saying. Besides, Caleb and Joshua, none of you are getting in. I'm not going to bless you with what I wanted to... Remember, he swore. He said they were going to go in. He wanted to bless them. But because of their complaining, I wanted to bless you with, I'm not going to give you what you wanted the most. Bringing us back to the here and now... If you happen to be 
complaining and you're wondering why you're not being blessed, I don't have proof to say that God is not blessing you. But we both can read in black and white this passage to see that God withheld blessing from those that he wanted so badly to bless. Why? Because of their constant complaining. He did not do as he desired to do for them, and that was to bless his children. Know that complaining carries significant consequences. Does anyone here intentionally desire to stop God from blessing their life? I don't think so. Of course not. So how do we stop complaining? How do we contain our complaining? How do we put the brakes on complaining? Again, I'm going to take us back to Philippians 2. And we're going to look at the what, the why, and the how in order to cease complaining. The what of what we need to do is simply this. Do not complain. Very simple to understand. So difficult to do. And so we're talking about this now. We're talking about what comes out of our mouths. I'd like us to say this together. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Let's do that again. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Now from your heart. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Anytime you are about to complain, this is a challenge, I always love to give a challenge. This week, if you're tempted to complain, this is my challenge to you. Just do this. When you find out that you're about to let loose words leave your lips and complain, just stop and go, right? We tend to shush other people when they're making noise. I think that's what God hears when we're complaining, is noise. So take a minute, raise your finger to your lip, and shush yourself. And the challenge is to hear how less complaining you do. Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verses 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's the what. So let's talk about the why. Why should we not complain? And the answer is very important for those of us, uh, especially who are followers of Jesus, and it is this, so that you can become more like Jesus. Doing everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. What does that sound like? To me, that sounds like being more Christ-like. Paul could have wrote, do not lie so that. Do not curse. Do not cheat. Do not steal. Hey, men, don't look at women lustfully, and women don't objectify men. But what did he do? He said, do not complain so that you may become pure. That's what he said. So, because when we complain, you see, it's more than just an outward action when we complain. It is a heart issue, and at its very root, we are attempting to place ourselves in a more prominent position than that we place God. The only way that we truly quit complaining is if we place God at the center of our lives, which is his rightful place and not ours. 
Jesus said in Luke 6.45, from out of the overflow of his heart, the mouth speaks. If we just fix the external, we're missing the heart of the matter, which is the internal. Your words reflect the attitude of your heart. And if you find the words you speak are words of complaining, my encouragement to you and to myself is to let God do a work in our hearts. What will happen if you let God work in your heart? I can tell you, your words will change. Your actions will change. Your life and the lives around you will change. But it starts with you and your heart being open to being changed. We need to align our hearts with the heart of God. And here's the how. Everybody ready? Yes. No, you're not ready. <laughs> Close. You don't want to know how? Okay. Done. This is a moment where I'm like, yes, tell me, tell me, tell me. How do I do this? How do I do this? How do I change? Right? You must choose to rejoice no matter what. Oh, you're like, oh, no, that's not what I wanted to hear. Choose to rejoice no matter what. Let's look at just a few lines further in Philippians 2 and verse 17. It says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. Now I'm going to stop right there. It says, But even if, no matter what, even if, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I am still glad. That totally, unless you're like... Studying what all this means, I had no idea. I had to look it up myself. So what does that mean? So the Greek word, spendo, one word basically means that entire statement. To be poured out like a drink offering, spendo. Uh, Paul used that in his writing because people would understand what that meant. In our culture, it simply would be translated in our modern English to spend it all. Spend it all. So the custom was that when a priest would make a burnt offering, sacrifice to God, maybe with a lamb or another type of animal, they, they would also perform what's called a drink offering. This sacrifice was added to their customs after they had entered the promised land. This offering was typically the most expensive liquid that they had, like wine or honey, and it would be... Uh, poured on, and so when it was poured on, the smoke and the steam would rise as an offering unto God. So he's saying, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, yet I will rejoice. Even if I'm being poured out, am being poured out, not um, if one day I'm being poured out, if he's am being poured out, as in the present tense. So even if my life is dripping away right now at this very moment, it wasn't that imminent death was his sacrifice, but rather it was Paul's daily life that he sacrificed. So Paul wrote also in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. True worship is every single day. Offering your life, whatever, wherever you are, even if you're imprisoned, under house arrest, chained up under constant guard. When Paul wrote, even if, he was enduring hardship that most likely all of us will never come close to having to endure. Now I'm getting to the heart of today's message, and it is this. Paul did not prioritize himself above Jesus. 
In fact, Jesus was the very center of Paul's life. This is how Paul could take that negative situation and change his perspective. Being under guard day and night, where we would see tragedy, Paul saw opportunity because the guards would change daily, possibly a few times every day. And Paul has to say about this circumstance, in this circumstance, he rejoices. In Philippians 1-2, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So his circumstances has actually served to advance the gospel. Did you hear that? Did he complain? No, because he changed his perspective. He then writes in verse 13, As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So I think if Paul were to speak to us today in today's English, he may say something along this line. Uh, You think I'm a prisoner here? This isn't my plan. This isn't what I would have chosen. But you have no idea how God is using what most of you see as a negative to advance the gospel. There's lots of reasons why I could complain about this, but when I can't change my circumstances, I am changing my perspective. The question is, what are you chained up to? Could be an abusive relationship, maybe a painful relationship, maybe it's a job situation that you don't know what's going on. It could be you're chained to a financial problem. You're in the middle of a hole that you don't know how you're going to get out of. It could be a health situation. The list could go on, right? Let me just say this to you. If you can do something about it, do something about it. If you can pray, pray. If you can work hard, work hard. If you can get counseling, get counseling. If you can seek help, seek help. If you can get wisdom about it, get wisdom about it. If you can do something about it, do something about it. If there are negative circumstances, something that is unpleasant, something that is not right, something that you wish you could change, and you can do something about it, then do something about it. We can't go through life pretending like everything's okay when we know it's not all okay. It's not a sin to notice something not right. When it becomes a sin is when we complain, 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 and do nothing. If we look to Nehemiah in the Old Testament, if you've never read the book of Nehemiah, Get in there, dig in there. Awesome. He's one of my heroes. I would encourage you to do so. Great story of someone that saw something to complain about, but chose not to. Nehemiah saw that the walls of Jerusalem were down and that the city was vulnerable to being attacked. And he became very, very upset about it. What did he do about it? Did he complain? No, it upset him. But he did something about it. If there's something that you dislike, don't complain about it. Do something about it. If there's a negative situation that you can change, then change it. If you can't change your circumstances, then you can change your perspective like Paul did. Change the way you look at it, the way you think about it, the way that you speak about it. For you, it might be even if... I continue to suffer in my body, I will still praise God. Even if my migraines never go away, even if I'm still crying myself to sleep, 
Even if I continue to look for a job and I can't find one, even if it doesn't come, even if they let me go, whatever it is, even if I will trust my God. Because when we complain, we show our distrust. Even if, if you can do something about your circumstances, do something. If you cannot change your circumstances, change the way you look at them. Even if at this moment I'm being poured out, even if everything that I've wanted to accomplish never comes to pass, even if I've only got days left to breathe, Paul says, yet I will rejoice. Why? Because in the middle of being in a deep, dark valley, we can see a glimpse of God's goodness. Even if my greatest prayer is never answered, even if I never get out of the situation, I will still praise God because he is good. He never leaves me. His presence is with me. His power is in me. I will praise him with everything that I have. If you want to be divisive, if you want to hurt the heart of God, if you want to drive other people away, if you want to hurt yourselves, do what most people do, and that is keep on complaining. Rationalize it, excuse it away. Everybody else does it. It's not that big of a deal. Sam, thank you. Do you have something to say now? (laughs) He did this. (laughs) That was fun at the beginning. Worship team, could I have you come up, please? So my encouragement this morning to all of us, myself included, because I can fall into that trap so easily, and I know we all can. But the challenge to us is to stop our complaining and to allow God to change our heart. The problem is not the weather. The problem is not the traffic. The problem is that we've taken our eyes off of the goodness of God and we've placed our eyes on ourselves. That's the problem and that leads to a curse of complaining. There may be all sorts of things in your life you're thinking, I just want to complain. It may be small things, it may be big things. But when you remove yourself from being the center and place the only one who is worthy to be there, our God, and align your heart with the heart of Christ, you will know that complaining offends the heart of God and it costs you significantly. But greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. So I know and we know that this too we can overcome because who, of, who Christ is in us. And by his grace, we can stop complaining. My prayer is less of you and more of him, less of me and more of Jesus. And we shall rejoice in all things. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts. There's some here today that would say, I recognize that I'm under conviction right now, that I'm a complainer, and I want to align my heart, that I am ready to align my heart with God. 
And I pray today, God, that your spirit would take your word deep into our hearts and that we would see that complaining is indeed sin and we ask for your forgiveness, Lord. I pray that your word would align our hearts and help us align our hearts with yours, that we would see all things as you do and we would see that you've done all things for us, that we would be overwhelmed, God, with your goodness, with your grace, with your love, and with the salvation that you have given to us, that though we do not deserve it, nor could we ever earn it. I pray that if we can do something about it, we would. If we can't, give us the power to change our perspective. Instead of focusing on what is not right about our lives, we're going to focus on what's right and good about you, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray that in any area we cannot change the circumstances, that you would give us the power to change our perspective, how we see that circumstance. Help us, Lord God, to stop complaining and start praising you, for you alone are worthy to be praised. We give you thanks and lift your name high. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at The Gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.